Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. A note of warning. This podcast explores graphic and disturbing stories and includes strong language. It therefore may not be suitable for our young listeners or other folks who may find it disturbing. Hello and welcome to True Crime Daily, the podcast, bringing you high profile and under the radar cases from across the country every week. I'm Billy Jensen and this is Owen Michael. Hello. Today is October 30th, 2019 and our guest is Dr. Gail Saltz. Associate Professor of Psychiatry at the New York Presbyterian Hospital, Weill Cornell School of Medicine, and author of Anatomy of a Secret Life, The Psychology of Living a Lie. Thanks for being here, Dr. Saltz. Welcome. It's a pleasure to be with you. So we're going to talk about your work and your latest book, uh, but first, we're going to get right into our cases. This week, an 18-year-old Washington woman accused of conspiring to kill an ex-boyfriend blames the plot on a hacked Facebook account. And just in time for Halloween, a Texas woman is accused of attacking her mother with a crucifix. But first, a Boston College dropout is accused of coercing her boyfriend into taking his own life. Owen, what's going on in Boston? Well, welcome, Dr. Saltz. Uh, Happy Wednesday. Uh, Our first case today is out of uh, Massachusetts. It's the story of a Boston College student accused of coercing her boyfriend into committing suicide. She's now on the run. Alexander Urtula, excuse me, a uh, Boston College biology major. He was uh, slated to graduate on May 20th of this year, so the day of Boston College graduation. Ertula was a biology major. He was slated to graduate that day. His family was in uh, Boston visiting from New Jersey to attend his graduation ceremony. Boston.com reports that they learned of his death while they were waiting at the event for him, unfortunately. An hour and a half earlier in Boston's Roxbury neighborhood in a parking garage, Police said Urtula's girlfriend, In Young Yu, had tracked him to the location with her phone. Alexander Urtula jumped from the top floor of the parking garage, killing himself. Yu told police she went there to try to stop him. But police say she, uh, In Young Yu, 21 years old, had abused Urtula, 22 years old, physically, verbally, and psychologically for months. They had dated for about a year and a half. And prosecutors said she had complete control, both mentally and and emotionally. Yeah, prosecutors say that in the two months before Ertula died, he had received about 47,000 text messages from you. And she allegedly urged him to kill himself, quote, perhaps thousands of times, according to the DA, repeatedly told him that she, his family, and the world would be better without him. She also repeatedly threatened to harm herself, prosecutors say. Ertula wrote about it in his journal, and Yu's behavior was reportedly witnessed by friends and family. He was set to graduate in May, and he was actually active in schools and clubs. Suffolk County, Massachusetts prosecutors charged you with involuntary manslaughter in your Tula's death. 
And obviously the biggest thing that comes up here is uh, the case of Michelle Carter, who was convicted in 2017 of urging her boyfriend to kill himself in texts and phone calls. And that was also in Massachusetts. And she got 15 months and her attorneys are trying to appeal to the Supreme Court saying her First Amendment free speech rights protected her texts. Uh, yeah, you was an economic student at BC before she dropped out in August and the post reports she's currently in South Korea where she's from, though she grew up in Washington. And, um, according to the Suffolk County DA, there's a possible Interpol red notice. So it'd be like an international alert to, uh, uh, apprehend this person, uh, anytime she is caught by the authorities or uh, encountered, um, Dr. Saltz from a psychiatric point of view, what, uh, what is this, uh, what does this, what do you think about this story? Well, I think that sadly we're going to be seeing more of this kind of thing in that the way that people communicate with each other today, young people, particularly by text, mm-hmm. um, by Facebook, by Snapchat, by Instagram, um, means that there are many other vehicles that are available basically 24 seven to potentially be abusive toward your partner. Partner mm-hmm. abuse in these young years that we're talking about here is sadly uh, not uncommon. And what does seem uncommon is, you know, a woman doing this to a man. But in fact, this probably happens more often than we realize because men are much more loath to say that they're being abused or to even recognize mm-hmm. that they're being abused because it's sort of inconsistent with old cultural norms of, you know, what, what a man should be, what a woman should be, et cetera. Right. But we know, psychiatrically speaking, that emotional abuse and also supposedly there was physical abuse here as well but we know that emotional abuse um, can be every bit as damaging and compelling as physical abuse Um, and we know that um, it certainly can cause major depression and other psychiatric problems and we know that you know sadly you know people with major depression suffer a mortality rate of 15% from committing suicide. Yes. Um, and so this, I mean, obviously I don't know either of these individuals, but, um, but certainly the evidence sounds pretty compelling. 47,000 text messages, many of which said the world would be better off without you and you should kill yourself, which is, which is exactly the thought that people with major depression who think about killing themselves have, you know, they don't, they're, they're thinking probably the people that love me around me would be better off without me. And that, is, right. you know, that is essentially a disease speaking. But um, unfortunately, it sounds like this per- this uh, woman reinforced that. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of uh, uh, different ways to communicate in our next story, we've got um, a, a, a murder plot that uh, was apparently taking place over Facebook and a, um, the a Facebook uh, state teen who was convicted this week of conspired to kill a classmate with two other teens claimed her Facebook account was hacked and that she actually had no part in the plot. November 15, 2017, Benton City, Washington, about 200 miles southeast of Seattle, Keona Benton City High School. The target was Ryan Vaughn, an 18-year-old senior, uh, ex-girlfriend Faye Headley, 16 years old at the time, and Jeremiah Cunningham, 16 years old at the time, had a crush on Hadley 
and uh, was mad and uh, jealous of Vaughn. And Vaughn and Hadley had apparently dated for about two weeks, according to the Tri-City Herald newspaper. The plan was uh, Hadley would lure Ryan Vaughn to a grocery store across the street from school and to an area behind the store. Jeremiah Cunningham would attack him from behind, um, knock Vaughn down, and stab him in the chest. And a third team, Gabrielle Filger, uh, was to stand guard and be on the lookout. They would then drag the body to an apple orchard next to the store and hide it. And evidence in court showed days of Hadley messaging Vaughn on Facebook to get him to meet. And again, this is sort of, you know, coercing somebody over these platforms that we've got. Uh, and, the you know, the question is, you know, would they do it? You know, because kids are so, we talk about this all the time, especially when we're talking about, uh, uh, whenever I put up wanted posters and things, it's like nobody ever picks up the phone ever mm-hmm. anymore. They're going to text. Well, is it easier to make to to set these plans up in motion uh, in text form as opposed to talking to somebody? Right, right. Uh, and this brings me with both of these stories. This one and the and the one earlier. We'll get more into this in a in a moment. But uh, uh, Doctor Saltz, I have to think too that there's a certain disassoci- disassociation when you are dealing, you know, with the majority of your life through uh, screens and phones right. and, and computers and things like that. Um, you can say things that you would never say to people in their, uh, you know, in the heat of the moment or to their face or to whatever it is. There's a certain remove there, so you're acting on a way that you wouldn't in real life, so to speak. Yeah, we, we've seen um, an increase in all kinds of, uh, you know, I'd say, I guess I'd say amoral behavior <laughs> um, mm-hmm. because people do feel safer behind a screen. First of all, it's private to them. Mm-hmm. They think it's private. Actually, I would argue that it's more public, right? Because you're, sure. then it's and there's a record. And it can be, it can be found. But I would say to you that um, people have the sensation that they are in a more private space because they're in their home. Nobody's around. They don't have to look in anybody's face. They don't have to read anybody's body language. They don't have to see a look of horror come back at them. So they're Mm -hmm. essentially alone, but, you know, writing this information and it it has emboldened people to, you know, end up going down that sort of dangerous path to infidelity or the dangerous path to, you know, crime to be alone with their thoughts and be, increasingly stirred up with their thoughts. So in this example, right. for, for instance, um, you have to think about revenge, you know, and, and the, the intensity of feeling that you've been hurt or you've been rebuffed or you've been, um, you know, dropped in some way that hurts your ego and you feel like you want to take it out on that person, you want yeah. revenge. And that can really stir you know, that can really stir the pot for some people. And, you know, they think they, they, they fantasize and they keep upping the ante um, until they're obviously in a potentially horrible and criminal place. Right. The feedback is not immediate either. Yeah. So you can, you can definitely get in over your head and, uh, and take it too far for so, sure. So this is what happened on November 15, 2017. Cunningham went to school with a large kitchen knife. Flyger brought a wooden stake. And Hadley and Vaughn met at the market at lunchtime, but Flyger didn't show up on time. Cunningham was caught on camera lurking in the parking lot with a red mask and a red hoodie. He was hiding between cars and behind a soda machine looking in the store window. The Tri-City Herald reports that a couple of freshman students riding scooters rode up and saw him and warned some seniors in a nearby pickup truck who then chased Cunningham away. The Washington Post reports Cunningham still had on his mask and hoodie when he went back into the school and was caught on camera multiple times outside the market and inside the school. 
One camera angle outside the market reportedly showed Cunningham pulling out the knife. Hadley testified Friday that she had no no role at all in the plot. On Monday, she was convicted of conspiracy to commit first-degree murder. And Cunningham, 18 now, uh, pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit murder. Sentenced to 10 years in prison, he said Hadley was, quote, the leader and, quote, the lore, and said uh, Flyger was the mastermind. That's a quote. Cunningham himself was, quote, the muscle. Hadley testified someone hacked her Facebook account and had been exchanging the messages with Ryan Vaughn. She said typos and LOLs indicated it couldn't be her. Naturally. The Benton County Sheriff's Office and Ryan Vaughn was a, I said Ryan Vaughn was a new student to the school and the suspects thought that he, quote, disrupted the flow of the social order. Flyger, the lookout, was tried as a juvenile and pleaded guilty to second degree assault with a deadly weapon, sentenced to 30 days community service and supervision. Hadley, who's now 18, is going to be sentenced in November. So this, uh, again, the whole social situation here is a little disjointed, uh, as they said. A new, a new student disrupting the flow is not an uncommon thing over, you know, in the history of high school in the United States. There's always that, uh, that story. But um, when you can get a group of teens to allegedly plot together and, and, and do this without... Um, without any kind of uh, real-world feedback. Uh, I was struck, too, by the description of them plotting together that they just thought that, you know, the one guy's just going to, he's just going to trip the target and he's going to stab him right in the chest. And they talked about, uh, you know, I don't want to stab him in the throat because they'll get blood all over you and you have to go back to class. And just like the, the, the divorce from what actually reality would happen, which I get, you know, you're in high school, you don't uh, understand the consequences of your actions, but, um, I don't know. I still understood that if someone died, they'd be dead forever in high school. So yeah, yeah. I, I would, I would, I would argue that point. I would say, you know, um, a, a high school, an adolescent is not incapable of having a moral compass and is not incapable mm-hmm. of knowing that something is criminal or right versus wrong. Let's put it that way, and knowing that murder is wrong. Um, so I, I think. They certainly can know what they do potentially lack, what adolescents lack. And if you look at brain development is their frontal lobe is not fully, fully formed basically. And the frontal lobe Mm -hmm. doesn't fully form until actually like 23, 24. Um, And Mm -hmm. what does that mean? That means that the part of your brain that houses consequence and judgment. So in other words, what will happen if I do this thing? Um, down the road, you know, uh, like, oh, I, I I could get caught. I could go to prison. I could, you know, the consequences of this, I could feel horribly guilty. I could regret this. I could, you know, w- whatever it might be, um, right. may not fully register. And the other thing is that adolescents have a deep brain structure called the amygdala that is essentially on overdrive during adolescence. And that part of the brain says risk-taking is fun and exciting and whatever it was, whatever it is that makes me feel risky, feels good, and I want to do it again. So th- that's that's why adolescence can be such a, you know, uh, high-risk time because you feel like taking mm-hmm. risk, but your your idea of consequences is not terrifically formed. And, um, and you can be very impulsive. And so that, that, that set up on the other hand, you know, obviously most adolescents are not even contemplating murder, let alone would, would mm-hmm. agree to carry out such a thing. And I would all, and, you know, antisocial personality disorder or sociopathy is, you know, for some people is, is something that already is in place biologically speaking, organically speaking, um, from an early age. 
Um, and, and unfortunately, if one of those kinds of people finds another one who's susceptible, then the group mm. psychology of, you know, well, I think it's okay. Don't you think it's okay? Oh, yeah. Well, if they think it's all right, then hey, um, I, maybe it yeah. is all right. And, you know, so a group can pump itself up to do something that the, and any one of those individuals may never do alone. Right. Yeah. Yep. Well, Owen, let's go to Texas now and uh, sort of a good old fashioned, bad old fashioned crucifix. Well, you know, just in time for Halloween, uh, this, you may have uh, feelings about this. Christian Lydia Martinez, 25 years old, was arrested Sunday, uh, a few days ago, charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Prosecutors say Martinez came home drunk uh, early Sunday and got in an argument with a relative, according to the San Antonio Express News. Christian Martinez, allegedly, she took a wooden wooden crucifix off of a wall and hit the relative on the top of her head, quotes, in a stabbing motion. The crucifix was 10 inches long and bulky, police said. Martinez hit her repeatedly hard enough to fracture the other woman's skull, and she fled the scene. KBB-TV reports the injured woman is Martinez's 45-year-old mother. They reportedly lived together. Martinez was arrested later Sunday and was held on $30,000 bail. Uh, not so much a, not so much a possession situation as just nope. too much to drink, but, uh, and, and grabbing the, the first thing. But, uh, Allegedly in the first thing, uh, yeah. the first, first heavy piece of, uh, of, of, uh, improvised weaponry. Devil made her do it. Perhaps. 25 years old. Uh, as you say, Dr. Saltz, uh, her, her, her frontal lobe is just now okay. starting to harden yeah. or develop, uh, finish, I suppose. So there's some impulse control there, but you mix that with a little bit of alcohol. Well, alcohol is disinhibiting. Certainly. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if you're, if you're happy, you may seem even more happy. And if you're, if you're angry, you may seem even more angry. But that being said, I think, you know, generally people don't do something they would never otherwise do, even if they're drunk. Good point. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I think we can't, you know, I, I think one cannot blame a crime on alcohol per se. Yeah. Um, Right. Yeah. Say if a certain, you know, Hollywood actor goes on a racist tirade and blames it for being drunk. Yeah. He probably has said something like that in the past when he wasn't drunk. He's certainly speaking it very loudly, but he uh, he was able to contain himself. But obviously, yes, alcohol can be disinhibiting and, and people who have difficulty with anger management may really, you know, not be good people to be around when they've had too much to drink. I would, Mm -hmm. I would also say that, you know, maybe the crucifix was the closest thing to grab, but I, the, the, I have to tell you, this sounds really overdetermined to me. This, the, like, the, this has been building up, and uh, <laughs> I, I would bet, but you know, obviously, I don't know, but I would bet that there's something uh, about um, that there's something meaningful to the the mm-hmm. woman who 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 grabbed the crucifix in in beating her mother specifically with a crucifix, um, you know, whether that was, uh, uh, some, you know, unconscious or conscious statement of, uh, I'm, I'm good or I'm bad. Um, or, sure. or, um, you know, I don't care what you have tried to drill into me with religion, you know, um, I, I don't accept it. Um, or, uh, I mean, there could be any number of meanings, but Some I, subliminal signaling. I, if you I will. think there's there's a meaning in there um, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? Um, we're going to talk a little bit about parenting skills right now because we get comments. Go on. Um, and uh, we uh, we had a couple of uh, 
uh, stories on our Facebook page that got a lot of comments. First one was a South Carolina woman was arrested, accused of shooting a child with a BB gun while she was trying to wake her up for school. Charlie S. said, that's an old school move. My mom used a shoe. Boy, get your behind up. Mm-hmm. Dawn H. said, I would rip the blankets off and jump on the bed until they got up, work like a charm. And Annabelle H. said, despite my moral and ethical objections, I must admit I laughed. Trying to picture the uh, carrying around a BB gun and, and when you're waking up your kids. Bill, you used to have to wake up your kids uh, to go to school. I would What's use the most, uh, water. Water? Water, oh, was, you, you water was good. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Salt, any, uh, any... The dog. Any, uh, having the dog run in there, too, is good. Any particular uh, motivational techniques that uh, you could recommend? Yeah, not this one. Mm-hmm. Not this. So not a BB gun. Definitely not this one. Um, right. Slingshot. You're maybe. not supposed to uh, inflict uh, harm or trauma um, in in a in a wake up maneuver. Um, you know what I would say is honestly, if you if you have to keep relying on something you do to your child to get them up, um, then you're you're kind of making a mistake in the long run because you're not teaching them the co- the skill of, you know, whatever it is they have to get up. So you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I would be more of an advocate of like. An alarm clock that, you know, these alarm clocks where basically you have to go, you have to get up and stand on a pad to turn it off. Right. Yes. Or you have to go, right. go That's good. the propeller or whatever it is. Um, something that, you know, isn't as easy as just slapping off the alarm. But you, you want to give that, you want to pick something that has a tool built in for them to self monitor it as it were. Exactly. Uh, good, good. Yeah, excellent. Yes. Well, thank you, Dr. Gail Saltz for being our guest this week. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're working on currently? Sure. Um, I am, well, actually, currently, I'm working myself on a new podcast that will be coming out um, with um, iHeartRadio. They are a collection of psychobiographies. So we sort of looking at what really makes certain people tick. Um, I am... Continuing on with my writing, I write regularly for U.S. News and World Report. If people who particularly were interested in parenting uh, want to check that out, um, I my most recent book, um, "The Power of Different: The Link Between Disorder and Genius," which is exactly what it sounds like, mm. a link between various mental illnesses and learning disabilities and extraordinary abilities, um, and how that's hardwired together in the brain. So even though we tend to stigmatize and, and certainly people do suffer, don't get me wrong, with mental illnesses. Um, many of those people actually um, have incredible gifts and abilities. Um, the book that you referred to earlier, The Anatomy of the Secret Life, The Psychology of Living a Lie, very mm-hmm. apropos to true crime because many people who commit crimes actually are keeping secrets from themselves. And that is what is driving often their criminal behavior. Indeed. Uh, and other reasons that people actually lead secret lives or keep secrets uh, from others um, is important. And um, if people want to find me, they can tweet me on uh, at Dr. Gail Saltz, or they can um, look for what I'm up to most recently on my website, www.drgailsaltz. 
Sounds great. Of course, we will include those details uh, in the descriptions of our podcast and the video. And uh, I think I've got a couple of books uh, to read over my holiday here. Uh, thank you for the suggestions. Uh, that's our show for this week. Again, thank you, Dr. Saltz. Uh, find our content on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, and on YouTube. Get updates and subscribe to our newsletter at truecrimedaily.com. Until next week, this is True Crime Daily, the podcast reminding you don't do crimes. Thank you.